Hey, what's up, awesome human? Before we get started with today's episode, I just wanted to invite you to be a guest on Authentic Influence Podcast. For founders and marketers of B2B services or software companies that want to get more leads and sales online, our B2B content audit interview will concentrate on coming up with practical ideas to assist you to improve the results of your content marketing. The ideal guest would be a founder or marketer of a six or seven figure B2B service or software business wanting to grow their website traffic and generate more leads online. This is all 100% free, so head on over to www.simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash live audit. That's simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash live audit and sign up for a content audit interview today. Now here's today's episode of Authentic Influence. Welcome to Authentic Influence with host Anthony Chansamuth. The show where we get real and share the stories and struggles, strategies and tactics of successful influencers and entrepreneurs so that you too can take action to create the life and business that you choose. And now over to Anthony. Welcome to Authentic Influence. This is Anthony Chansamuth from Simple Creative Marketing. And today we are talking about marketing without, mon- marketing without money. Uh, that's the topic, but there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, and to really share insight into how this works, I've invited my good friend, Therese Tarlington, uh, to come and share with you just her journey and her, um, her new book, which is actually called Swap marketing without money um and Teresa's is passionate about marketing partnerships um, and she created a startup that grew to a business in five countries manufacturing for jeep sesame street and united colors of benetton uh, using this strategy so after selling that company she now works with the big brands creating campaigns that collaborate with other businesses uh, with a focus on delighting their mutual customers something all our listeners i'm sure are aware of uh, and want to do so um, Therese has helped charities raise funds, a software company get seed funding, been an ambassador for LG Electronics and now works with CSR, creating partnerships with interior designers, tradies and even The Block, which is a popular TV show here in Australia uh, for all our foreign international listeners. Therese, uh, let's bring her on. There we go. Welcome to the show. Hi, Anne. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, where are, where are you dialing in from, for those of us uh, who are wondering? Sure. I'm in Sydney, Australia, uh, and it's actually not raining. It has been for many, many weeks, so it's a dry day, which I'm very thankful for. So am I. I'm very grateful. It's been, uh, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday. It's it's like we've, we've I've experienced the monsoon in Asia, so I've been in Laos when it it rained for months um and so here you know we're kind of getting a, a taste of what that looks like uh and already you know we we hate it it's like oh my gosh bring the sun we need to get out and walk and do our daily walk around the bay and these sort of things and those things we take for granted right how's it been for you yeah. and, and the family absolutely i think that sydney sydney's so known for you know we, my husband's always out rowing my you know my son's a great runner like all of us are always outside and it's such a beautiful, beautiful city. So to kind of not have that opportunity to actually be out 
walking or rowing or running or whatever you're doing, it's, it's kind of, you know, it, it affects you. Are you one of those uh, affected by seasonal, what's it called, seasonal um, something syndrome or whatever, disorder, sad, <laughs> seasonal, yeah. I think... I think that um, I really I'm, I really need to get outside every day, especially during COVID when we've all been working from home. And I think that I actually was getting up every morning and, and, and exercising and that was effectively my transit to work. And then once I'd finished work, before I, you know, went upstairs uh, to my kitchen and I'd actually go for another walk and that was like almost my transit leaving work and you know coming home because um, i just needed that break there you know that separation um and to sort of get outside so yeah i think it definitely affects your mood that reminds me of just uh when i was in back in my old corporate days and i would catch a training it used to take me an hour uh from sort of southwest sydney into the city um and, and I, I used to value that time so much because i would read you know i would this was long before podcasts. If, if there were podcasts, I would listen to them. But I had my Walkman. You remember those? Um, yes. Yeah, and you get into your tunes and whatever else. And uh, yeah, like I think a lot of our sort of younger generations won't ever even have that happen in their lifetime. Like imagine that as a um, you know what's going on uh, with technology today and, and the way we're living. Uh, fantastic. Okay, let's let's jump into your 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 sort of back your background. I was reading through uh, the copy of the book. Uh, your book that you shared with me thank you for that um and i was just sort of caught by the the story of how you even got into the whole stroller business um do you mind sharing sort of just going back to that time and, and what you were doing then and how how you first really went into the world of partnerships and, and and how that began for you yeah of course so i started out like you know a lot of other people went to uni did marketing uh ended up in a in a big corporate uh, starting my career and that was fantastic and that gave me a really really good insight into branding and the importance of a brand and a position and a reputation and what it means to be known and that but I also had a bit of a spark I just I just was like I really want to do my own thing as well and it was on a trip to America and I saw a jeep stroller so jeep is in the car brand the four-wheel drive brand uh and in america they actually had jeep strollers and they had big pump-up tires and it had a little uh like console for the baby with a horn and a steering wheel and so the baby could interact and drive the jeep and i thought I, at that stage i didn't i didn't have children or anything i didn't really know that space but i recognized it as wow that's like kind of cool you know they've they've combined a brand you know with a baby uh and it's really aspirational for the parent and so because i was young and had no fear uh, i approached the manufacturer um, of jeep baby products and i said hey i would love to bring these to australia and they said, yeah, let's let's have a conversation. And so I actually came home um, and I looked at the brand, looked at, looked at what was in the marketplace, looked at what was for parents. And at that stage, strollers were, you know, Mickey Mouse um, and baby Cookie Monster. Like it was the only brands that were on strollers were, were appealing to the baby, uh, not mm. to the parents. 
And I thought, wow, this is really cool. Like this is an opportunity to actually tap into, you know, these parents who are, you know, empowered career, you know, women and actually love their brands, tapping into the dad market where they really want to be part of this journey as well. And so I got some samples and brought them to Australia and it went off like a rocket, which was fantastic. So I took them to a trade show and 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 actually uh, to see if they were, could get some orders. And I did. I pretty much sold hundreds of strollers just on that weekend. And I thought, okay, this is it. This is it. And so I jumped off my, you know, out of my corporate cubicle uh, and into my own business. And it was, I guess, that thing where I, I saw an opportunity and I thought, look, what's the worst thing that can happen? I can, you know sell them at the markets if this doesn't work, but, you know, I've got to try. And I actually, the first company that I approached was actually Jeep, as in the vehicle, um, cars in head office. And I said, hey, I'm bringing these strollers to Australia. I just wanted to let you know, you know, if there's any way that we can work together. And the PR manager at Jeep actually said, look, I'm going on maternity leave in like a month but I love this. This is fantastic. How about I'll do your PR for you and you give me the baby products? And I said, great, done, done deal. Love to do that. And she got Jeep baby strollers in everything from the financial review to every newspaper, every baby magazine, but also the men's magazines as well marketing magazines and so it literally was it was exposed it got a lot of exposure really quickly and so that was my first partnership and then that exposure got me a meeting with target and the the ceo at that time had seen it in the financial review and was like i want to be the first people with these strollers in australia and so that became my next one and then because of that then huggies actually contacted me and said hey we'd love to do a competition and give away a Jeep for mother and baby. So we want the car and we want some strollers to give away. And I said, fantastic. And they put my strollers on the on the flyers and the stickers on the boxes, so the point of sale, in every Coles nationally for, for three months. So that was about the credibility and elevating my brand even more. So that was my real beginning on how partnerships can, you know, do amazing things for a small business where you can actually borrow the, the credibility of, of other companies to help you, you know, really catapult yourself into your, you know, your industry. That's, yeah, that's really amazing. And, and, and I just wanted to ask you during that time how big was your team because one of one of these misconceptions that we have as small business owners is you know oh to to play in the big leagues with jeep and these big brands uh you know we need to have a 20 person marketing team and, and pr and all these things and and but you weren't that right so what were you when you when you were going through that process i was a you know my, by myself in my second bedroom um and then as I started, I actually hired a mum who lived in my street, uh, whose, you know, kids went to the local primary school. And so she worked from, you know, nine till three, three days a week to kind of give me a hand as well. Uh, so it was just me. 
it was just me. And so that was, that was, you can do it. These, and, and even, you know, as the story goes, I actually was able to get the, the license for United Colours of Benetton. Mm. And that was when I was into my business journey and I actually had a, a staff and I, but, but in saying that there was a staff of four. <laughs> so still very, very small. And uh, we went up to tender against huge companies all around the world for the Benetton license. And at one stage I thought, look, there's, there's not at any point, you know, I'm dealing with companies who are like a billion dollar company, you know, there's, and I'm just in Australia, they're, you know, very small team. This is just no point. And I nearly gave up. And then I thought, you know what? I have to try. If you try and you fail, no problem. Never try. You'll always wonder. And so I got really granular about what it felt like as a young mum to, you know, have a, an extension of her lifestyle and her imaging. And Benetton could deliver that for these young mums. And I was up against big corporates that were quite traditional and quite top heavy and, um, you know, were, were run by uh, gentlemen that were had been in the industry for a really long time but were more grandparent age than mm. a young mum age, which I was. And so that ability to really focus down and say, look, yes, I'm small, but I know your brand. I can tell your story. I am your customer. And I know what other people will want out of this. I know how to tell your story in a really compelling way. And that's what got us over the line. We won Benetton and that allowed me to start selling all over the world. And again, that was, you know, four people in a tiny little office in Gladesville in Sydney. So it is absolutely not the domain of, you know, multi-billion dollar listed companies. It's something that a small business can absolutely do. Yeah, there's something you say in your book and you repeat the message, which is uh, that big business wants the help of small business. Like they, they are actually looking for, um, you know, opportunity, looking for something to different, a way to differentiate. They're looking for something that's nimble, that you can move faster uh, as per, you know, just like what you're sharing with this story here, um, that, you know, you can do things with a four person company or a five person team uh, that someone with a hundred person team can't do. Like, you know, it, it's just uh, a lot of it's red tape. A lot of it's, we've got to go through multiple levels of approval. Um, I think there, there's a, at that stage of business, you know, with a large corporate in a town and I've come from, from that, that world as well uh, is I remember just having, it will take us six months just to get an approval sometimes, um, you know, because it's, it's like, oh, we have to consider the brand, the brand, what's the brand? And, and they take that very seriously and I, and I get it and it's important. Uh, at the same time, it can also mean that, you know, it, it creates the, the door, you know, for smaller businesses, smaller brands to jump in there and go, hey, actually, uh, like you say, we know your market. We know, you know, I'm, I'm look at me, I'm a mom or I'm a mom to be, I'm part of, of the audience. I know exactly um, how to solve that particular problem or, or how, uh, you know, what your buyer wants. And I think that that's so, so critical in your story. And, and thank you for sharing that. Now, as the story goes on, you know, you had the, the United Colors of Benetton um, partnership, uh, and then you ended up moving towards uh, actually selling that business. Um, what what was the decision behind that, and, and why did you decide to move on from that? Sure. So at that time, I had been doing it for quite a while. I had actually 
in that journey, I'd also had two children of my own. Uh, they were, you know, little, they were kind of on that transition to starting school. And for me, uh, with Benetton and Jeep, I was, they really wanted me to spend about six months of the year in Italy and in Europe, actually putting all their distribution partners together for their baby range. And just as a, you know, as a mum with two tiny, tiny kids um, and not any family around, that was just something that I couldn't do. And so I decided that I was, you know, really super proud of how far I'd come and I could let somebody else take the baton, you know, and run with it and somebody that could be overseas a lot of the time. And even that that selling uh, process was was I actually sold it to uh, you know my very first customer. So at that stage, uh, Babies Galore was a chain of baby stores uh, that were in Australia, and that got bought out by Mothercare, which is a very large UK brand um, of baby baby stores and so that company which was babies galore they actually bought my company and so but actually going through that process and identifying all the value in the business and a lot of that value was the great relationships that we had built and the relationships with distributors relationship with retailers with merchandisers their great marketing that we knew and so we were able to actually really leverage that with media and ambassadors so all of these great things that we built because of the the partnerships that we had created that added value to the sale price of that that business i uh let me just jump back in here I'm trying to work out how to do this <laughs> okay here we go um I just love that. I'm going to repeat what you said there. The value was in the, the great relationships that we had built. Uh, and I think that's something that, you know, many small business owners might skip uh, or, or not realize. Because um, we kind of, all, typically what I hear is, you know, it, it's your list. It's it's the, the audience you've built. That's the, you know, that's, a, that's a key asset for the business. Um, and, and when you're selling a business that, you know, that that's, that's the first thing that comes to mind it's like you know how many customers do you have right and uh, or, or whatever it might be but when you factor in the relationships that you had built and these strategic partnerships distribution deals these sort of things it becomes much more as you say valuable to the prospective buyer uh, or, or the acquirer of, of the company um, i'm curious how you even navigated that that process of selling the business like uh, it's the first time you've done this i imagine so um did you get some coaching around that or, or how did you uh, was that a partnership that that led to you know just the process of of, of finding the, the you know selling the business sure the, for me it was i did get a business broker to i guess help me identify all the assets uh and that was even i think as a small business owner you you, you you know, you do what you do and you do it as hard as you possibly can. And sometimes you don't have that helicopter view. You're like in the weeds, you know, you're really, you're, you're getting the job done every single day. And so to actually be able to step back and understand what, where the value was, and it wasn't, as you said, it wasn't just in a database. 
It was actually around, you know how to get a product through a safety standard to bring a product into Australia. You know all the um, logistics and shipping and and importing of products from all over the world because at that stage I was manufacturing, but I also grabbed and was a distributor for all the award-winning products around the world because I had um, deals with Target and Big W and Toys R Us. So while I was selling, you know, my products into Target, I was like, well, I may as well try to sell other people's products into Target mm. as well. So, so again, it was, it's the, within a business, even if they're not structured, you have procedures and you have amazing knowledge. And so to actually package that up, um, the, 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 you know, the, four-hour work week and the um, blue ocean strategy are kind of two books around that time that were like absolutely out there and and i guess the key message in all of those was about how how could you create a business where you could you know go on holidays or for three months and the business would run and within that context it was about how could you build a business that could run by itself and the value of a business running by itself also means that somebody else can buy it because it's not dependent on you. So at that stage, I really looked at system, putting systems and procedures in place for absolutely everything so that somebody could walk in and pick up that procedure and actually know how to do it. And that is obviously the the mechanics of how to do it, but also the relationships, who to reach out to. If you get that stuck at this point, this is the person that you would call. If you get stuck at another point, this is the kind of email, this is the kind of data that you need, this is the backup information that you provide to make sure you get out of customs as quickly as possible. So the learnings that you have along the way, it's it's not just, you know, factual in terms of importing a product, go through customs, put it in a warehouse. It's like all the things that might go wrong or you know you need to think about or you know what if something's damaged and do you need to take photos of it and so all the the intricacies of the your procedure is the value that you have and so for somebody else to be able to actually pick up those procedures and not just know the one two three but to actually know that the plan b and the plan c and what you actually need and to have all that stored um really really factually with examples and everything else was was a huge you know asset for the company when i sold it absolutely i like to think of it as you're handing over uh you know if you were to hand hand over your house to a new buyer right and you're moving out um, you know, and there were certain things you've been living it for in, in it for ten years, and there were certain things that, about just the property, and you know, when it rains, these things happen. When these things happen, and and you want the person to know, right? Um, just be aware; these things probably need some repair, or these things that are, you know, this is how it works, and you know, that neighbor that across the road does this certain things at certain times of the year, and these, these things sure. about right and that's what you're doing with the business you're saying hey here's the manual or the guiding yeah like you're literally handing over a manual that says okay this is how you operate it and keep it going the way it is and then they can add their own flavor to it and they can do other things to improve it of course Um, but you might even have suggestions on how to do that right so um and that's all all super valuable i love it um were you going to add something to that 
I was just going to say, I know when I sold a house at one stage, I actually, for the person who bought it, I actually put together a folder and I put together a little folder of like all the neighbours, what their kids' names were, you know, what number they lived at. I put like what night the bins went out. Um, I actually put like where they where the, where they could get the best Thai, the best Italian and the best Chinese. Um, and it was almost like a little housewarming gift. I was like, here's yeah. everything that you need to know about this area. Here's the parks. This one's got a great, you know, swing and this one's got a great bike track. And because I knew they had kids. So, so I guess it was, it was just actually the, this, this kind of the generosity of information, not just the information that you, you absolutely need, but the, but, but how you can, you know, really slot into to that business or that house or that mm-hmm. school or whatever it is. And feel um, nurtured, and feel feel invited, and actually have a little bit of, you know, have a little bit of a lay of the land, so you you know what you're doing. So for for me, that was a, that is a brilliant, brilliant analogy. It's just like that. So I wanted to hand over to the business, not just the keys, but actually any single thing I could possibly do. And even I, you know, of course there was a handover, of course, but I didn't just go hey, you know, Jack, this is Bill. I was like, you know, hey, Jack loves water skiing and, you know, blah, 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 and he's got kids about the same age as you and and actually tried to find some common ground even with the introduction. So, again, it wasn't just a, a introduction very factual. It was actually here's how you're both going to work together and actually here's some points that you probably have in common that you can actually talk not just about work but about other stuff to actually build that relationship. Absolutely. Like to me, that just speaks to your um, desire and caring uh, uh, for the success of the next person or the next company, uh, who, you know, whoever you're handing it over to. Because And I think that says, speaks a lot to just the way you approach life and business um, and that, that that's super valuable, right? Like that um, to me, uh, is is what I'd be looking for, you know. And I, what came to mind was the last time my wife and I booked an Airbnb, and we've had really great experiences and we've had terrible experiences, right? Uh, and what what was the difference? The difference was how much care the the, the property owner or the 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 person who was hosting uh, put into sharing all those little tidbits, like you said, like where's the best restaurants, where's you know where's the nicest beaches and whatever it is, and how do we get there? And uh, and really putting themselves into the mind of the next person coming in and going, okay, you know, if I was a newbie in this area, uh, you know, rather than spend the whole day trying to familiarize why don't i just give them the fast track and say you know here's three cafes you really should check out and this is build the owner and this is margaret and these sort of things and uh that's just amazing right um yeah love it okay let's let's get into sort of the the logistics or or the breaking down partnerships um in in the book you talk about uh three different types of marketing partnerships can you elaborate on those yeah of course so so my experience has been really vast. So as I said, I had a kind of licensing experience. I've also had kind of TV experience. So, so but really when you break it down, you can do great partnerships with, with product. And when I say product, that can also be a service, but, it, but it's essentially, you know, what you, what you sell. You're using what you sell to create a partnership. You, the second one is actually digital partnerships where, you know, these are really 
you know, they're fast, they're easy. It's a generosity of information. So just like we're doing a podcast now, it could also be a written article. It could be, you know, a blog. It could be some kind, it could be a competition. Um, but, you know, something that is, you know, digital and really easy to actually merge some audiences together. Um, and the third one is an in-person experience. So something where you've actually got a group of people and they can, you can use all their senses. You can really go, you know, go down deep and create something that is memorable, not just because of what they heard, but because of how they felt and what they see and, and the experience that they had in person. So they're the three main ones. And then, and then, and then off that, there's obviously a, you know, lots and lots of ways you can do a product or a digital or an in-person um, experience using brand partnerships. So let's recap. we got product, digital and in-person. I love the three. Uh, I've had experiences with all different, all the three in different aspects and different companies. Um, to me, they speak to different levels of partnership as well. Because uh, obviously it takes more time and investment and energy, you know, even costs uh, to do an in-person, if you were to hold a conference together, uh, you know, versus doing a quick, you know, an email swap or a, uh, a webinar together or a podcast like we're doing here. Um, I love the giveaways. I think that's one that, particularly for services businesses, we, we tend to forget about those. Like we, we, like in my mind, when I'm hearing about it on radio and they're doing giveaways all the time, um, I always think about, oh, yeah, but I don't have a product. And I think, you know, to your point, yes, you do, because you have a digital product and, and you have, you know, uh, whether it's your consulting, whether it's your, you know, you've got a book, or you've got these different assets you can put out there. Um, we just, I think, I'm so traditionally minded that, and I think others have this problem as well. We, we, we think, oh, but I don't have a stroll. I don't have, uh, yeah. you know, T-shirts I can give to people. Um, and so I like to yeah your thoughts on, on how do you when yeah. you're a services business and that, that's the, the majority of our audience here um and so we've got services business and we've also got SaaS companies right so yes. what do you do when you don't have a digital product i uh, sorry a, a physical product that you can yeah. give in, as in terms of in, in a partnership for sure so there's there's a business that, that kind of springs to mind just because i think it's just you know super clever so uh it's called blooming keepsakes so it's a melbourne company and and what they realized that was that um, florists uh, provided obviously beautiful bouquets to people for, for memorable days of their life, like their wedding, might be an anniversary, might be a significant birthday, things like that. And so, um, and their service was to actually uh, create a, you know, um, like a dome or a rectangle where they, they essentially uh, dried flowers. So they had it for a long time. And so that's a service. That's a service that they actually provided, but it was in combination with a product. So what are they, you know, who are your customers and what are they actually doing, you know, before you or after you that you could contribute to? Another example for is um, in terms of I have a great friend, um, Jono Fleming, who is an interior designer. So he obviously has a service. That is what he does. He does partnerships with other great brands that are products in terms of he, at the moment, he has a, um, it's called a residence at Globe mm. West, 
which is a beautiful furniture manufacturer. And so for that furniture manufacturer, he is creating content. So he is creating, um, he goes into their stores and he actually, you can be with Jono and actually go around the store and he can help you, you know, choose the right pieces. He actually has also webinars about how to style a dining room table, how to create a, you know, a really welcoming lounge, like all of these things that he's created. And then also he he creates content as in written content about that he actually uses and sends out to both of them send out to media. So it's actually putting the um, the credibility of an interior designer with a furniture brand to media and so and media obviously they love a story where it's more than one brand because it's not just a it's not a sales spiel it's not just a story plug, from a yeah. Company. yeah trying to sell a product so they're you know really beautiful ways where you as a service company can actually look at another company that perhaps has a product where together so so when you look at, uh, you know, blooming keepsakes, the florist had, you know, was able to offer, not only can I make you this beautiful bouquet for your wedding, but I can actually help you keep it forever. Great idea. Like the customer is the winner. And again, like if I'm the homeowner um, and I'm not sure about, you know, what the trends are or whether I should, you know, get a two and a half or a three seater and what fabric I should get and because of my dog or my kids or whatever, to actually have the value of somebody who has that knowledge, that interior designer, coupled with, you know, the furniture, again, the customer is the ultimate winner. So these are where you start to really bring in the power of partnerships where you can pool with somebody else and create a better experience for the customer than they would have had just by dealing with you or just by dealing with the other company individually. That's so powerful and it just reminds me of the value of knowledge and that knowledge is an asset because you talked about uh, even in the example of um, you know an interior designer providing training or advice around how do you use the furniture or, or what furniture should go where or how do you style you know your living room versus your kitchen whatever it may be um, and a lot of us aren't, who aren't expert in that field we want that information we want to know well you know if I, I i love the piece but how do i make sure it actually you know looks great when i put it in in, in lobby right like these sort of things um it's so cool now yeah. on, on the topic of assets therese um there are well you say there are five important assets that your business can leverage uh that doesn't include your social following so what are those assets yeah they look for me that there's there's actually there's a lot more than five um wow so when i when i work with uh small brands because that's what i absolutely love to do the the first question that they always is, oh, i don't know if i can do a partnership like what have i got that, that i could use and i was like you've got loads and so I actually sat down and I've got a list of 103, 103 assets you've probably got in your business that you've you've maybe forgotten about or you haven't even realised that you could use to, to do a partnership. And when you look at that, it is, it's massive. And as I said, so when we talked about, you know, we're selling the business and, and it wasn't just the procedure 
it wasn't just the physical product that you sold, it was your knowledge of getting it through a safety standard or importing it into the country or the, you know, the, the actual. And so for me, there's, it's definitely, it. so even looking at social, for example, I do partnerships all the time with people who have almost no social following. And it's because they are really, really credible and they're trustworthy and they can actually add amazing value. And so that is around looking at, you know, what have you, what have you, what are you able to do in terms of your ability? So are you, can you write easily? Are you able to do a podcast and use your speech? Could you use your speech on stage? How could you use what you do? So at CSR, so CSR is a building company and makes, um, you know, building products like bricks and chiprock and insulation. We, I'm always looking for other B2B companies. So I'm always looking for tradies or builders or architects um, to actually work with, to put our brands together and again, talk about the outcome, talk about the problem that we've solved. And so this is around this. So actually I have, you know, the, the bit of the, the the freebie at the end is actually I'm, I'm giving you the kind of the, the videos, which are 103 assets <laughs> that you have in your business. Love it. Yeah. Um, so Great it's time. way more than five, but, but obviously the main five, are obviously, you know, your product, it's about you as the as the, the leader in the business. It's also about um, the people, so your sales team, your merchandisers, the people who are actually talking to your customers. It's about your distribution and and so your stockers. Your stockers are your number one partners. They're your original partners and how you actually support them. It's about your media, your awards. So it's using everything that you've got in your toolbox. And I guess just on that, that's that's the difference between um, marketing partnerships and influencer marketing. So, and influencer marketing, amazing, right? Like absolutely perfect. I guess I kind of talk about like influencer marketing is mostly where you have you as a company deal with a person and that person has an audience. So that might be a someone who has an Instagram following that has your ideal customer. It could be that they have a podcast and you're in B2B, but they have, you know, one, one thing that they're really, really strong at. Whereas in a um, marketing partnership, when you're working with another brand, that brand has a whole lot of vehicles to communicate with your customer. So it's not just about social. It's not just about their website, which they could use as well. It could actually be their location. And that might be an office. That might be a showroom. That might be a restaurant. That might be the boxes that leave, whether they are a shopping destination for e-commerce or whether it's a pizza box that leaves that restaurant. So, you know, what are all the... So when you do a partnership marketing with another brand so a brand to brand collaboration it is about you as a brand using everything that you can all the mediums that you have at your disposal to actually communicate that value to your mutual customer so that might be that you might have an event 
and you actually might have a podcast and you might put flyers in the boxes that leave your warehouse. You might use SMS and their phone numbers. So it's it's not just, you know, one, it's not just one channel. A brand has many communication channels and it's about tapping into all of those. And when you do a brand partnership, the ultimate aim is to literally blow your customer's mind, right? That That is the goal. Partnership marketing is not a bartering system. It's not, I trade you one email for two posts. That is not how this works. Great, memorable, amazing partnerships that move the needle are about two brands coming together and saying, what could we do that would blow our mutual customer's mind and using everything in your toolkit to actually make sure that message hits that customer in a way that's going to make them move and propel them to, you know, be part of this experience and remember it. I'm on board. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you believe I believe, and because I've seen it and I've experienced it when I was working with you know, Hub Australia, one of Australia's largest co-working brands, uh, and we did events with multiple partners. We had a, obviously they had the venue, so we had the venue. We were the venue partner, and then we had um, someone who would bring product, and then we would had someone else who would bring uh, maybe they had celebrity or brand or they had some other aspect um, to it, or they brought the audience. Right, so we were trying to reach. I remember we did a brand partnership with. Uh, what are they called? Class Pass. So they're an app that you book, you know, yoga and you book all these classes through their app. Um, and so we did a, an activation with them. We actually went to Hyde Park and they, they you know, listed the event and said, hey, you know, um, this is a partnership with Hub and we're going to, uh, we, we sent all our members from the co-working space over into the park and, and we did a workout with there and they bought the personal trainers, um, which was another brand. And so it was a three-way partnership uh, and that worked really well. And from, from that, we got media because we then had all these assets and videos and things that we could put all on our socials and through our channels. Um, so I can see how, how something like that would work. Now, being that we're in the world of marketing, this is a common question. How do we track them and measure the ROI of these, the, these partnerships? How do, how do we know that it's working for increasing, you know, whether it's attention or revenue or whatever it may be? Uh, how do you approach that, Teresa? And how do you advise small businesses to make sure that, you know, whether, even if you get a PR, you know, an opportunity to be on national media, how do you make sure that that actually is leading to your goal, which is to grow your business? For sure. Okay. So ROI is obviously something that you need to measure because you need to make sure it's worth it. Uh, you know, you can, you could love a brand, you could love their values, you could have the same objectives. Um, but, you know, you could also just go to dinner with them, you know, let's be real. So it's not about being friends with a brand. It's about actually about like, what are you going to do? So in terms of that ROI, I, I always say that when you when you go towards a partnership, literally keep track of every single thing. So keep track of every time they have mentioned you in social, keep track of the emails, obviously um, unique links on emails. You can obviously look at the numbers on social. These are obviously really, really simple things. But in terms of it could, as I said, there's still an avenue for, uh, you know, flyers in boxes. Um, During COVID, I actually got um, 
like a brand called Open Table, which is like a HelloFresh. It's a meal delivery service. And in there was actually a flyer for Reading Eggs, um, which is a online um, primary school kid course to help them do reading and, you know, uh, like um, basic school activities, but in a really fun, interactive way with music and colours and, you know, everything else. And so when you look at that, it was actually, you know, it, during COVID, lots and lots of families were, you know, just bored with their own cooking. They couldn't go out to restaurants. And then they also had their kids at, at home from school and they were having that guilt of I'm trying to do my job, but I actually need to do homeschooling. And is my child getting enough? And so I thought that was a really, really, really clever way. So as a customer, when I opened my box and I got out my zucchinis and my potatoes to make a delicious meal for my family, I also pulled out a flyer about how I could, you know, get reading eggs, you know, into my house to support the children, you know, while they were being homeschooled. Now my mm. kids are a bit bigger, so I didn't it didn't land, but but and of course they had um, you know, the first month free with a unique code. So it's a it's really about like how how can you track it? Now some things absolutely you can't track right? You just have to look at your sales and you don't know if they're related. So, so as I said, like when, um, you know, the block is on, then uh, as a brand, I have many brands on the block. Now we know that when you're building a house, you don't build it next week, it takes a lot of planning. So we know that there's at least a six month lag before we'll actually see those sales could be 12 months sometimes. So so you need to, I guess, I know within your own buying cycle and your, your, your ecosystem, how long does that lead usually take to, to come from fruition? And also within that sales process, what are you actually trying to do? So in your partnership, do you, are you actually just trying to get a trial? Are you trying to get a phone call? Like, are you trying to actually just connect with that customer? Are you trying to just get them to read one piece of content and so you can actually have them on your database? So it's really about, like, when you set out your partnership objective to be really clear on, you know, what am I trying to get done? Is this just about uh, credibility? So am I, as a small business, I want to uh, be part of, uh, get media on Koshi's Business Builders or actually be, so Optus do an amazing job of profiling service-based businesses. Like they have a business connections area within their website and every single article is about small businesses, what the challenges that they're facing and how one of their customers has overcome that challenge. Now you as a business you're now an Optus partner that's seen on their website, that's been exposed to hundreds and thousands of their customers as well. So that credibility, can you measure that credibility? Well, you know, in terms of your branding, you know, where are you? If, if that allows you to actually put that on your pitch pack and actually allows you to get that opportunity to get that maybe that sales presentation to get in front of those people that you might normally not have got in front of if you didn't have that credibility or it could be about you know as you said about reach and so therefore that reach what did what is that reach getting you so is it about growing your social following is it about growing your database 
Is it about getting people signed up to an event? Is it about getting people signed up in terms of a sales call? So be really clear when you set out about what are you, what are you actually trying to get done? Be really clear with your partner as well, because obviously they will have an objective. And so, you know, as I said, theirs, theirs might be about credibility to partner with you and yours might be about growing a database. So you can have two different objectives and it's just how you marry them together to create a great experience for the customer. So, of course, use all your unique tracking. Make sure that you've got an, you know, an offer that has a unique link. So use everything that you can to measure it. But then also, you, you know, it might not be a direct link. It might actually be about the, um, you know, the buzz that was created around your industry and around you and around people actually contacting you. And that might not be your customer, but it actually might be another supplier. It might be five, you get five new stoppers. Uh, it might be that you actually, uh, someone from overseas contacts you and wants to have a conversation. So, so be open to, I guess I'll call it the overflow in terms of you go into it saying, okay, this is what I'm trying to get done. I want, you know, to increase my database or I want to do this. But actually what usually happens is there's an abundance of other things that you get out of a partnership. Um, and honestly, from my point of view, the, the biggest value of a partnership is it's really sometimes quite lonely doing everything by yourself as an entrepreneur. And so actually being with another brand and brainstorming and being in the being in the you know bunker together and getting things done and being able to say oh my gosh look what happened today and I've been able to get this and what did you get and oh my gosh I've just had another idea of how we could work together hey I just had a call from this customer do you want me to introduce you to and so it's the the generosity of actually working together and the and what you get out of it is abundance you yeah, and you probably get a great mate as well you're not doing it for friends, of course. We've all got enough friends. I'm not saying that. But it's just it's just a camaraderie. Somebody else, you know, similar to you is in a similar situation. And together you've got two really motivated people who just want to, you know, who just want a great experience for the customer and just, you know, want to be able to grow in the process. And that's a really strong bond um, that, you know, that, that hasn't got an ROI, but that's invaluable. So much gold in that. Um, so let me just unpack because my brain's going, oh, a million ideas. Uh, but one, the generosity, uh, just that message I 100% resonate with. And, and from the first day I met you when we were going through the dent program together, that was kind of like, yes, that's what, you know, this person is about. And I'm I'm also about that. And therefore, I felt an affiliation, or you know, to you. Um, and I just love that, that you kind of drive everything with two questions one is what's the the ultimate experience we can create for the customer so they walk away going yes love it you know it's amazing uh, and secondly uh, how do we do that for the partner as well um, because you know partners and you're right business can be lonely and it can be certainly if you're a solo entrepreneur or you're a small business uh, it, it, it's you know you kind of miss I'm, I've been sitting here thinking for, for the past couple of weeks, like, oh, my God, I missed being in, in corporate because you could literally have, you know, 
10 people you can walk up to each day and just have a coffee with. <laughs> and and it, it's, you know, we take that for granted, right? Like when you're working from home yes. and you're on your own or you're, maybe your partner, your spouse is your partner and whatever, but um, having someone to bat with, you know, when you go into, I don't like to call business war, but when you go into, um, you know, trying to grow uh, your vision and your, and your mission together um, and when you're aligned, I think that's a key part of what, all the work you've done has been, Where's the alignment in values, right? Obviously, you're going to choose United Colors of Benetton versus maybe uh, some other company that has a massive brand but is polluting the planet and doesn't care about kids, right? Like it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's a huge part. Um, we're going to wrap up. We could go on for hours, but I just wanted to remind people uh, to check out Teresa's book. Um, it's called uh, uh, Swap Marketing Without Money. It's available on Kindle, Amazon, all those things. You can also go to uh, theresetarlington.com. I've got it on the screen if you're watching the replay here. Um, and uh, Therese, for those listening to this going, love all of, of everything you've shared, the, the stories, the examples, your journey. Um, but how do I go about, like, what are the steps I need to take to actually, uh, you know, work with a brand? How do I actually go about and get my first partnership or my next big partnership? Can you take us through that um, in a high level? Well, obviously, we can't get through all the details. Yeah. Get the book. Oh. It's, gonna, it's in there. But, um, yeah, if you can just walk us through sort of what are the steps to, to building those great um, sought-after brand partners. Yes. So the first step is to really rediscover your assets. So understand everything that you've got that is of value that you could use to do a partnership. The second one is to evaluate your objectives. So really just understand what am I, you know, I could just go out to dinner with this person, have great old chat, um, but actually what am I trying to get done with this other brand to, so how am I gonna grow? What What is your metric? What are you trying to get done? The third one is how to connect with the right people um, and really explore the possibilities I always say absolutely reach out with an idea to a company. That might not be the idea that you actually use, but it is the generosity of actually saying, look, I'm, 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 I would love to work with you. Here's just one idea I've got. And then actually working together to explore the right fit and what are you actually going to do. The fourth one is to, to implement whatever the partnership that you're trying to do, but to over-deliver over deliver in terms of their expectations over deliver in terms of just generosity of spirit and uh and connect and and letting them you know share that journey so when you get that little milestone where you might have just got a new customer let them know let them share in their joy and that is again about just over and delivering just being generous the fifth one is to position and to extend your reach. So what I mean by that is obviously you're doing a partnership with one brand, but how can you pull apart that partnership and actually extend it into your industry? How can you tell your colleagues and your, you know, your, the other people in your industry about it? How can you involve your stockists and your retailers or your merchandisers? And how can you involve media? All of these individual people would love to be part of this partnership. Just share the joy. And the last one is to evolve, uh, which is really about just demonstrating the success that you've had back to your partner. It is about just building on that success. 
And we, again, from an objective point of view, it might have been to grow your database. But actually what you're finding is that within the comments that have come out of this partnership, you might have three new product ideas that have come out of this. So a really great thing to demonstrate value back to the partner about how they were so clever to actually combine with you and do this partnership and actually build an advocate, get them to give you a testimonial about what amazing partner you are and to turn your taxi light on, you know, actually talk about uh, to other brands how you love doing partnerships, have a partnership page on your website. So those six are a recipe and R-E-C-I-P-E. <laughs> Let's quickly recap. So recipe the power for uh, the the recipe for powerful partnerships. We start with uh, R, which is rediscover. So know your business worth and your assets, what you can leverage. Uh, we then evaluate, which is the E, uh, the objectives you want to achieve, and also the objectives the partner might want to achieve as well, which is important. Uh, C is connect, find the right partners, and explore those possibilities. Uh, I is to implement, do the deal, and over deliver on the expectations. I, I love how the way you just you put that out there. Um, P is to position, uh, and, and the key message here is to extend the reach, your reach to your industry, to stockers, to media, um, and they're also they're all partnerships as well, right? Like when you when you're talking about this, you're like, yeah, you know how who are the other partners we can bring to the party? Um, and that's the way I like to think about that. And then finally, the E, last E is to evolve uh, and demonstrate um, and be success, right? Partners want to know that whatever you've done together actually worked. Um, and then you go back to them and say, you know, thank you for being, you know, for partnering with us. And, and this is, here were the results. Here's what's different. Here's what's new. Here's what I think we can do next time. And so you kind of like, you know, have the opportunity to, to recreate uh, a magic together. Uh, Therese, Amazing, amazing. I love how you've come up with the acronym, how you've put it all together. Uh, I think we've learned a few things from the, the, the KPI guys uh, potentially here. Um, a couple of questions I want to wrap up with. Uh, just one is you being just such a um, great marketing strategist. You've done work on both sides, small business, and also you've been in the, with the big brands. Um, What's been a key resource for you, whether it's a book, a podcast, or training uh, that's really helped you understand uh, how to do marketing uh, really well? I think it is, look, for me, I'm a podcast junkie. I'm on podcasts every single day. Um, I think for, and also it's around just opening your mind and, I, and, I, and kind of your spirit. Being brave, uh, I think that, the power of just actually reaching out to other people and saying, hey, I've, I've got an idea and I'd love to actually work with you. Um, just sit in that for a second and imagine today that a company reached out to you and said, I talk about your brand all the time to my customers and I'd really love to work with you. They chose you above thousands of other companies um, and that means that you're doing a great thing. You're doing great work. So, so for me, in terms of a resource, I would say it's not really, a, it's not an app, it's not a, you know, it's not a workbook, it's not a podcast, it's actually just being able to be, be brave. Um, you might think that you, you're not enough, you're more than enough, you are, you are everything. Um, so just take it, own it. You know, people are usually incredibly generous and good spirited. And if you are, you walk into a space actually 
you know, giving out that that presence and that power and saying, hey, I love what you do and I think that we should do something great together, you will usually get that back tenfold. So, so for me, the resource would be just be brave. Go out, talk to somebody today, talk to a brand or a company today that you would just love to do something with, explore the possibilities and just go and do it. Thank you. That's a really uh, beautiful, beautiful message to our listeners here. Uh, I'm feeling that in my heart. I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I needed to hear it right now. And Teresa just brought uh, the key message. Uh, and a lot of times we talk ourselves out of opportunity um, when they present, right? Like, and, and I think it's, it's when we kind of go, no, you know, I, I do have it. I do have, I do possess the traits or our business can, um, why not us, right? Like that's that's probably uh, the question instead of saying why. Sure. why you don't do ask, it? you don't yeah. get. It, you know? Absolutely. And what uh, if you did ask that question? <laughs> yeah. How could it, how could things be different? Um, so yes, that's the call to action. Go and ask someone for a conversation today, potential partnership, uh, and then uh, let myself and Teresa know how that goes. I think that would be really really cool. Uh, final question for you, which is. Uh, more a personal one, um, but we started this conversation off with just, you know, um, you talking about, well, before we hit record, you were talking about how you love um, getting up super early. That's your time for yourself, your presence. Um, what's one, whether it's a routine, whether it's a, um, a practice, uh, what's something that you like to do for your own mental well-being? Mm. So right now it's about reformer Pilates. Uh, and what that is, is, you know, obviously it's something that I find incredibly difficult. I'm a runner. I run fast. I sweat. It's cardio. To actually do reformer Pilates is incredibly difficult for me to be still and do small movements and, you know, use my muscles in a different way. But the, the point of this is I always try to do something that's, like, super hard. Um, and I try to do it because... As a form of exercise, if I have to do something that's really hard and it's out of my comfort zone, in that hour, in that time, I cannot think about the 50 things that are on my to-do list. I can't think about, you know, school kids and whatever. I just have to be present. And it's for me, it's like it's almost my meditation. It's a time where I can just zone out of the world and be insignificant to anybody and everything um, and just actually just centre myself and my mind. Um, and for that, for me, you know, exercise is just, is actually about being strong, strong in my body. And when I'm strong in my body, I feel strong in my mind. Um, and just, you know, but as I said, like I, I've also done art classes. Now I'm not terribly good at art, but it actually forced me to stop um, and really concentrate on the task and not not think about all the other things that, that, you know, I had to do in the world. So, yeah, so I would say find something super hard to do, a new exercise or a course or a language or something where you cannot concentrate on any other thing but the thing you're doing right now. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I can definitely re resonate with that because I remember when I started sort of uh, I, I was very fascinated and curious by, you know, everyone talking about meditation and go and meditate. And then I tried and sit down for half an hour and my butt would get sore and I'm like, oh, I'm so bored, uh, sometimes falling asleep. And then I was put on, someone had said to me, you know, 
that's not the only form of meditation there is. There's actually, you can do movement um, and you could do it whether it's, you know, you thought you're talking about Pilates. Uh, for me, it was dance. It was actually go and do salsa dancing, you know, with two hours a night and have fun. Uh, and I'm so present because you don't want to step on your partner's toes and have them kick you with their heels. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I made that mistake before. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, and, and and you can, you know, for, for, for the ladies, um, there's, there's, dance workshops where it's like they call it five rhythms i don't know if you've come across that one before therese um but i know newtown they've got a class there and they basically you go in and it was created by a um a woman who was a i think she was a choreographer or, or something but she also was a healer and a therapist and and she was she did her work in new york city um passed away about 10 years ago uh, but um she created this thing called five rhythms and it basically the way it's designed is each each so there's literally five different beats that play throughout the hour, um, and each beat is designed to bring out a different emotion, right? Mm -hmm. um, so as you're dancing, you're, you're, you're channeling anger, you're channeling love, you're channeling these different emotions, and, and it's a way to really access uh, those, those different um, states within yourself uh, and then to bring them out through movement. And so that's a meditation, right? Um, but uh, I love that you, you're doing Pilates or reformer Pilates uh, and, and what you said there amazing thank you um all right we're gonna wrap up now you've got a gift for our, our listeners here uh you, you talked about the the 100 plus uh different resources so where can they grab that so if they go to theresetalenton.com um i'm the only therese talenton in the world so you should be able to find me uh there's no g in my surname which is, you know, the mistake everybody makes. So just theresetalinton.com. Uh, <laughs> and if you go to that page, do backslash bought the book, uh, there is actually a course there that takes you through, a, I've called it 103 ways to partner. But really it's just a, a video series, eight short videos that take you through and explain in detail all the things that you have in your business that you've probably forgotten about or didn't realise that you could use to actually contact another partner and, and start working with them. So, and I'm, you know, I'm everywhere. As I said, I'm the only Therese Tarleton in the world. If you type in that name uh, for LinkedIn, you know, Instagram, Facebook, you know, everywhere, I'm everywhere. So <laughs> please connect. I love a good chat, you know, and every person that I meet, you know, either them or the next person or somebody that they know, you know, these are all great relationships that we can build and then recommend to other people to be great partners. Fantastic. I've got it on the screen. Just head over to theresetarlington.com. We'll share uh, the links in the show notes, of course. So you can go over there. You can grab the book. You can also sign up for that free online training uh, and, and get access to all those assets and, and uh, amazing uh, package that Therese put together to help you really grow your business through partnerships. Thank you so much, Therese, for joining us. The book is called Swap, Marketing Without Money. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just love seeing your journey. And, and, you you know, congrats again on the launch and having the book come out because I think this is a, a really valuable asset for all small businesses. Thank you. I mean, I just, the more small businesses I can see, just, you know, working with other people and really growing, you know, that that's, that's the goal. So thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Amazing. Uh, so it's still sunny today. So any plans for the rest of today here in Sydney? <laughs> I'm actually going into the office today, which is a novel concept. Uh, so the office at CSR. So, 
you know, I don't even get to walk around the block or anything at lunchtime. I'm going to be, you know, in an office, a big glass office. But, but look, it'll oh, be wow. really great to actually catch up with people. Yes. Know? Have a chat sure. at the coffee maker. Have a chat in 100%. the lunchroom. Love it. All right. So uh, we'll have to do our own coffee catch up because we're both in Sydney and that uh, will be nice to, to get uh, collaborating as you do. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, if you're catching the replay again, connect with Therese on all the socials uh, and, and really uh, grab that book and also the resources. Thank you again. And we'll see you again on the next episode. Thanks, Anne. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Hope you got something practical that you can go away and apply in your business. Now, as a thank you for being such an amazing listener, I've got something cool to share with you right now. Are you looking for a way to grow your B2B business or software company? Well, how about learning some of the best tips for content marketing, connecting with potential partners and pitching your business? Well, if that's you and it sounds great, I invite you to join us on our upcoming B2B content marketing Q&A and speed dating podcast party. This is a live Zoom call for our community members and listeners to our podcast that can come along and you'll get to interact, learn something new, and then also have a chance to get expert advice and make valuable connections. All right, the session will be recorded and uh, published on our Authentic Influence Podcast. All right, so register now and join us live on Zoom. The next event is coming up in a few weeks' time. Just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash podcast party. That's simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash podcast party to register. There's only 15 spots, so if you want to jump in, uh, go ahead and do that today. Hope to see you there real soon. Now, just quickly, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash podcast, uh, and you can grab all the links and things and resources on there. And also, if you are a conscious entrepreneur, got a professional services business, working B2B, uh, and you've got an interest in building influence and income through showing up, serving others, and being real, then I invite you to join my Authentic Influence Warriors Facebook group. Uh, If you want to do that, just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash community. Okay, thanks for joining in, and I'll see you on the next episode. for listening to the Authentic Influence podcast at AuthenticInfluence.co. 